0: Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, welcome back. I'm excited about today, Christmas at the movies. And let me just tell you how all these things work as far as series go. Um, We have a creative team, just a few people on that team, and We kind of get together, they get together, I get together, and I I look at what's going on, and and they kind of present, hey, next year for 2022. In fact, 2022 is already kind of planned out for series, and we've done that for years and years, and uh, this series was planned months and months ago, and um, the campus pastors, as we knew that first week I'd be gone and we're choosing movies, they chose and got to pick for themselves Elf. Last week, they did a great job, so great job to all the campus pastors, but I'm a little uh, ticked because they chose and got to pick Elf, and they left me with Scrooge, right? <laughs> Elf Elf is an awesome movie. It's full of joy and all that stuff, and then they left me, hey, you can do Scrooge. So that's the way it works around here, just so you know. I just work here. But today, uh, last week, yeah, they talked about Elf, but they didn't talk about Elf. They talked about Joy. They talked about the spirit of joy and the Advent theme of joy that, that Advent, as Robert said and our campus pastors at the beginning said, it, it, Advent is a It's a looking back to the first coming of Jesus. It's a looking ahead to the second coming of Jesus. It's an incredible time to refocus our hearts. And Advent themes for years and years have been a part of Advent. And joy, last week they did a great job. Today, we're going to look at a a movie called A Christmas Carol. And the theme, a little bit different than normal Advent themes, we're going to look at the theme of renewal. Now, A Christmas Carol is really a great movie. It was a book, though, written by Charles Dickens in 1843. And since 1843, it has never been out of print. It is always one of the few. I mean, it's just an iconic book. And The the setting is in the early 1800s as Christmas is becoming a very popular holiday in the West. In other words, England, America were establishing traditions and songs and so forth. 1800s early, there was a guy in the story called Ebenezer Scrooge. Most of you know this story. I'm just going to hit the highlights. He was a very wealthy man in partnership with Jacob Marley, who was his partner who passed away years before... And they were both all about money, all about success, and not about people, and not about compassion or generosity. They, they lived really horrible lives and treated people the same. Until Christmas Eve, he would get four visitations, one from his old partner who had passed away, Jacob Marley, who would just beg him to change his life. Say, hey, the way that I live and the way that we're living, it's not the way to live. And then the angel of Christmas past would show Ebenezer his Upbringing and his loneliness, and how he had his first love, and but his love for money got in the way, and she broke up with him, and he was heartbroken, and lived his life in bitterness, just a cranky, rich, stingy old man, much like some of you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I hope I hope I'm kidding. Then he gets visited by a Christmas present, in which he finds the people around him have really negatively been affected by his life. The lack of generosity, the lack of compassion, in particular um, people on the streets and children and and even his own family, Tiny Tim, who would desperately need his, his help and his compassion, but he wouldn't give it. Christmas Future would show Ebenezer a lot of things, but he would show his funeral in which nobody gave a rip that he lived or died in fact, the only attention he got was in the coffin they would steal stuff off of him even in the coffin because of a wretched man that he was and so in the theme he would beg the angel to let him live because he promised to change his life in which he did he woke up and he became a new man and the, and, and the, the reason we chose the theme of renewal is because that's exactly what he did. He just renewed what was once there. And the Webster's Dictionary for Renewal is this. One, there's one that says to become new or as new. Good definition. Number two, I love this again, or I love this one, to begin again. And that's exactly what he did. He would just say, would you give me another chance? And and how many of us would look back over our lives and say, man, if If I could just have another chance. If I could just do this again, and many of us, many of us have lost our way in our passion for the Lord. You ever, you ever been passionate about something at one time and then you've lost your passion? Whatever that, maybe you're a sports fan and you've lost a passion for a particular team or or even a sport. Maybe you uh, were passionate about as, as a young kid wanting a puppy. Remember always telling your parents, if you give me a puppy, I'll take care of it. I'll bathe it. I'll walk it. I'll clean up the whatever. And and then after two or three days, you're like, man, this is a lot of work. And you lost that passion. Uh, there's a lot of things we lose our passion over. And I think one of those in particular is what I'd like to talk about today, and that's our passion for the Lord. Now, most of us would, you know, I, I would say, most of us would call ourselves Christians, and most of us have been you know a christian for quite a while maybe some of you are new but you've been serving the lord for for quite a while and the season of advent was specifically designed and i wasn't brought up celebrating advent well i was brought up in church but we didn't celebrate the season of advent the themes of advent the candles of advent we didn't do any of that And so over the last 20 years, it's been kind of a a cool thing for me to to become a part of that theme or season. And the whole design was to refocus our attention on what really matters. And And it goes far beyond just the reason that Jesus is the reason for the season. Obviously, that's a huge thing, but it's really more than a slogan. Advent, from the last weekend of November to Christmas, helps us to refocus, realign, and renew our attention or our passion, our focus on the Lord. That's what Advent is for. That's what this season is for. And it was designed specifically for that. So my hope today, we're going to visit a a different passage that you would not really consider a Christmas passage. But I want to visit this passage anyway because I feel like it has of of any of the themes when I talk about renewal, I just kept going back to this passage over and over again. So I finally just said, okay, we're going to use this passage. But it's in Revelation chapter two. If you have a dispensational eschatology look at Revelation, you would consider chapter one, the things which were chapters two and three, the things which are chapters four through 22, the things which will be or to come. And I understand not everybody has that framework and that's quite all right. But nonetheless, in chapter 2, he begins, Jesus, John writing, Jesus talking, begins his letters to the seven churches. And these seven churches are influential churches in the first century, churches that Paul either started or or one of the apostles started and, and became very, very important and very influential in their day. But there would be a message that Jesus would have for all of them. And I feel like if, if, if there's one or two that we relate to as a church, let's just call it hope fellowship. I'm not responsible for any other church, but, but hope, I think we're going to relate to what we read, and, and hopefully in a good way. We're going to receive the word in a good way. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, let's start there. And here's what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and you've not grown weary. I think it's important to stop here and and really kind of understand that he's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers here. He's talking to a church that has done a great job at not tolerating false teaching. He's done a great job at being, uh, uh, the church has done a great job at being firm in their faith, not growing weary, persevering under persecution. Yet, in the middle of all that, he says this, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Side note, remove the lampstand from its place. What does that mean? In my understanding of this scripture and looking at all the New Testament. This is not that he's not calling you that you're. I'm going to send you to hell. I'm, I'm, you're not, no longer a Christian. But what I really feel like it means is you're going to lose your influence. That light that you once were, that influence that you once were in, in the city of Ephesus, a very, very important city in that day, modern day Turkey, you're going to lose your influence. And really, to be honest, that's exactly what happened. So when we talk about losing or forsaking our first love and, and the results of that, it's, it's really all about that you are and I are the light of the world, but when we lose our first love and we forsake what's really important, not just during this season, but in any season of our lives, we lose influence. The, people's, the people that look at our lives and, 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 and your, your family members, your neighbors, your co-workers, friends at school, when they see your life distracted, you lose influence for the kingdom's sake. A couple of, I just have two observations though about this renewal theme in Revelation 2. And the first one I think is important to start with, and that is to acknowledge when we forsake our first love. Now this happens on a regular basis to all of us. Now I know you don't like to think of it that way, and many of us, when I was talking earlier in the in the message at the beginning, I was saying some of us have, you know, lost our passion for the Lord. Some of us have gotten distracted or whatever. You let that just go right over your head, right? You no, know, he's not talking to me. I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I, I'm a believer. And I think there's times in which the Lord holds us accountable and he calls us out, so to speak. And to this church, he pulls no punches and he says, hey man, you're doing some good things. You stand for what's right but for some reason, you've grown distant from me. In other words, you've allowed things in your life to take precedent, to take priority over me, and I'm just calling you out because that's not my will for your life. You're going to lose your influence, and the whole reason for this, guys, and not not just you, but I'm talking about Ephesus, the whole reason is is influence, that, that you would influence people for the kingdom's sake, for for God's sake, that you would seek and save those who are lost. But when you get disconnected, when you become distant from God, forsaking, losing your first love, it's important to acknowledge it. It's important for us to say, wow, wait a minute. Maybe he is talking to me. And how easy it is to get distracted. Revelation 2, 4, let's just read it again. He says, you have forsaken I mean, you've certainly just turned the other way and walked the other way. You've forsaken your first love. Now, what does that mean? I can't help but go back to Matthew six thirty-three, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talking about don't worry about this, don't worry about that, don't worry about where you're going to live, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. Hey, the birds of the fields, God cares for them. How much more does he care for you? He cares for the flowers. How much more does he care for you? And then he goes on to say in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, when we don't seek first, when we put other things, we seek other things first, we're losing our first love. We're forsaking our first love. The reason, and I know I get paid to do this, I know I'm a pastor, and so John, you're supposed to say this, you're supposed to. No, I I truly believe this, no matter what you do in life, God's called you that the reason that you have your job and the reason that you live and where you live in the neighborhood, the reason you go to the school that you go to or the college or university you go to, the only reason, the, big, the biggest reason is kingdom. Whatever it is that you do and wherever it is that you are is kingdom. And when we get that out of line, we get distracted. And when we get distracted, we seek our own way. Jesus in Luke 9 says it like this, if you want to follow me, you must give up your own way, and that's hard to hear, isn't it? I mean, that's not easy to to hear. So like, well, I don't know. Always want my own way. Sometimes, exactly. He says, if you want to follow me, give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to listen, if you try to hang on to your life. If you try to hang on to your possessions, if you try to hang on to your money, if you try to hang on to the things that have become more important to you than me, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what does it profit? What does it benefit you if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? See, this is a, important and it's a serious, I know it's a serious one. It's like, man, this is Christmas. Let's talk about something else. You no, know, no, no, I think it's a great time to talk about, hey, what is it that we're actually up to? What is it in our lives that, that has our attention? Because there's a list of things I can, I can give you just a few, but there's a ton of things that come between us and God on a regular basis that we have to always continually renew our heart, renew our minds, renew our commitment. Family can get in the way, ambition, money, fun, travel, schedule. I mean, whatever. I mean, we can get so consumed with all of this stuff, and and even forsaking. The, the getting together. And I know COVID has been a crazy time, but, but some of us, and if I could just be honest, we're, we're not not coming to church because of COVID or because of anything like that. We're just, it's just more convenient to just have a biscuit and, and the TV and just watch from there, right? It's more convenient. I totally get it. And I'm not making fun of you. But, well, yeah, I am. I am. But it's, 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 it, and hear my heart on this because I'm not talking to everyone, but I'm talking to some that have just allowed, allowed the convenience of, I don't have to get dressed, work in the parking lot or get my kid checked in. It's awesome. Yeah, but, but there's something powerful that, that happens when we come together. If there's an encouragement that comes from being together in which we continually have to renew. That's why, that's why Paul says, hey, when you come together, encourage one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Encourage one another with a great word, because we constantly need to renew, some of us weekly, in fact, probably all of us weekly, because we Listen, another way to say this is Jesus kind of saying, hey, you're doing, you stand for great things, but you're going through the motions in your relationship with me. And many of you know what this is. I mean, we go through the motions on a regular basis. Some of you come from real traditional liturgical type churches where you stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, kneel down, then you you do all kinds of things. I'm making fun of that. I'm just saying that over time, it kind of lost its significance to you. It's relevance to you. But can I tell you in a church like this, we do the same things. I mean, many of us during worship, man, we're, saying, we're singing, the battle belongs to the Lord. And you're looking, hey, they got Christmas trees up today. Wow. That's awesome. Look at that. And look at those chandeliers. When did they do that? Weeks ago. <laughs> you just haven't been here. No, I'm kidding. Sort of. You know what I'm saying? Some of us walk in, it's like, man, it's freezing in here. Good night. And, and, and listen, I'm not making fun of, we, we all do this. I get distracted. Maybe you're a guest or a visitor and you come in and you're just looking around. What are these people about? I don't know if I like this. We go through the motions on a regular basis. And what, what listen, what we're just saying, what I'm saying in this is we just continually come together, go into the scripture and we renew ourselves in him because it's so easy to get distracted from our first love. It is so easy to get to a place of forsaking the very reason we call him Savior. Now, that's the first thing. I think we just got to acknowledge that we do it. We got to acknowledge how easy it is to to kind of fall away from, when I say fall away, I just mean fall away from our love for him. And when we do, we just lose our influence and we lose a lot of things. Our, our, our lives turned upside down because we have our priorities upside down. When you seek people, when you seek other things other than the kingdom first, your life will be turned upside down because your priorities are upside down. But when you seek him, it doesn't mean you're going to have a perfect life. It just means when the storms come and the challenges come and the trials or tragedies come, you have a peace that is passing understanding, not because of you, but because of him. Because our priorities are right you got to acknowledge, though, at times we get distracted. And even the Christmas season can distract us. Hallmark movies can distract us. (laughs) We get to thinking that Christmas is about the Hallmark movie. It's about, oh, and this is great, and and I love those things, so don't get me wrong. It is not about those things. It's not about finding your real love here. Christmas is all about finding and renewing your real love with him. We get distracted during this season. Now, the second thing. Very important after acknowledging is that we remember and we repent. He uses these exact words in Revelation 2. We 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 gotta visit it to, to just go to this, like, why is this so important to renew our passion? And that is in Revelation 2 5. Remember the height from which you have fallen. I think that's an interesting way to put it, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. And then he says, repent and do the things you did at first. So remember where you were and how far you've fallen, and then repent with action. Remember. Let's look at that first. I was raised in church, and you know, most of you know my story, and um, I happened to be raised in a church that I loved. I mean, I had great experience. Some of you, not so much, and I understand that. But for me, church was a joy. I had great experience in church. Um, And part of that church experience, I went to kids camp. And then seventh grade, I started going to youth camp. And however, seventh grade for us in Harlingen was middle school age. And seventh, eighth, and ninth were all middle school. Seventh and eighth were one group, and then ninth was all by itself. But it was still considered middle school or, high, or junior high. And so I started going to camp then. And and you know, in junior high, how many know it's easy to get distracted as an adult, but how many know understand as a middle schooler, very easy to get distracted from God. Many things that come our way, and and I got distracted from God. It wasn't that I wouldn't say, but I was, I was not living exactly for Him. I was trying to be a cowboy. Was what I was trying to do. I was wearing boots and had dip in my back pocket, actually not my back pocket, I don't want anybody to know because my mom would kill me, so I put it in my boot, put the, the, the dip in my, anyway, doesn't matter, <laughs> Levi Garrett and all that, anyway, I just raised a hog and man, I was just, I knew I was going to be, you know, whatever, cowboy rodeo, I was pretty cool too though, <laughs> pretty tough, you know what I'm saying? That was that was the end of my ninth grade year, and I just was totally distracted. Was not living for the Lord really, and and then summer camp came the summer before my sophomore year. And uh, I, I don't know that I've ever told you this story. I've told it to the student ministry on their retreat last year, but or this past year. But I was sitting in a, in a camp in Kerrville, Texas. Kerrville is very special to me. I was raised every. Almost every year of my life, we went to vacation to the Hill Country with our trailer and we camped out on the Frio River, Garner State Park, or somewhere around there. And, and then every year from seventh grade to college, and after college, it was a, camp, a counselor, went to uh, Camp Pearl Wheat. Now it's called Hill Country Camp. But that summer before my sophomore year, I was sitting in a tabernacle. It was where we had service, no sides to the building or back, just a, a stage and a, and a top. And a chair just like this one. This is a Samsonite chair, plastic chair. And in those days uh, at camp, this is the exact same kind of chair, Samsonite. And so when we started Hope Fellowship in 2000, these are the chairs I ordered. This, is, this chair is from 2000 when we started Hope. And because I thought it was a great chair, is easy, I mean, real easy to, to fold and real lightweight, and I thought it was comfortable, but I was in ninth grade, <laughs> I found out, you know, by many ladies saying this wasn't a comfortable chair in the early days of hope. But at any rate, I was sitting in a chair like this on the right side, middle of the tabernacle by the steel beam, and Jim Tucker was the speaker. Jim Tucker was a part of our church for a lot of years. Love you, Jim, if you're watching. Um, But he was the speaker, and I mean, I remember the passage he used in James, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And he said, some of you are double-minded. You're living one way, living another. You're, you're just going back and forth. And he says, you need to make a decision. And anyway, long story short, that night would be the night that my life would never be the same again. I would make a decision on this chair. I wouldn't. I didn't go up to the front. I don't remember this. I don't even know if he called us to the front. I can't really remember all the details, but I, it wasn't an emotional thing. It wasn't like, come run, you're going to go to hell. It was more Hey, you need to make a commitment. And I, it was like, it was like this I mean, pounding in my chest, and I turned around on that little, in this little seat, and I fully and completely rededicated my life to Jesus, And I said, "Whatever you want to do with me, Lord, I'm tired of running, I'm tired of being a cowboy. not that cowboys are bad. I'm just saying that was not my life. I, I was just doing it in rebellion, really. He says, I'm just tired of running. I want, you use me however you want to use me. You do whatever you want to do, but I am saying today that I'm committed to you. And so when, when Jesus says, hey, I want you to remember from when you're fallen, that's what I remember. When I get distracted, when I get to a point of forsaking my first love, I go back to that moment. Do you have a remember? Do you ever remember in which the Lord got a hold of your life and, I mean, you read Scripture and you were on fire for the Lord and you were just like, man, God, I'm, I'm ready. And today you're a different person, perhaps. You're not a bad person. Revelation, he's not calling them bad people. He's just saying, hey, you've disconnected. You've, you've fallen away and, and, and lovingly and gently, I just want you to know that I want you to, I want you to come back to that. And some of you need to come back to the place in which, that's why we call it renewal. Some of you need to come back to a commitment that you once had to the Lord that you no longer have. You've allowed family, you've allowed money, you've allowed success, you've allowed all kinds of things. And me too, I mean we all do it. And I'm just saying, in this Advent season, that's what it's for. It's to kind of say, oh, wait wait, wait, wait a minute. Besides all the carols and the lights and the shows and the movies and the great stuff, God, what is it you're saying to me? And it's just acknowledging today that, yeah, you've slipped. There's many things maybe that are between you and God and priorities. And, and today, I'm just, I'm just the one There could be many that just knock on the heart's door. It could be another pastor. It could be another home group leader, a friend that just, hey, holds you accountable, calls you out and says, hey, man, what's going on? We all need this. But I think today, and I felt, even from last night, I just saw, I just felt like, oh, Lord, you're speaking to us today. Because some of us have forsaken Our first love, and we need to remember how far we've fallen. And then repent. Repent is not a bad word. I've gotten this question like, hey, as New Testament believers, we don't have to repent all the time. Oh, yes, we do. Jesus said this, not me, not you. He says, repent and do the things that you did at first. In other words, you repent not just by saying, Oh, I'm sorry and then keep doing it, you repent and say, God, help me. Well, John, what does repentance mean? It just kind of means, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some decisions to go the other way. Let me just put it as a help to you. When I think of repentance, here's what I think of. Make a decision. I made a decision, and I've never been the same since. I have fallen. <laughs> I have gotten distracted. I have rebelled. I mean, all those things. But, since then, but, but I, when, I, when I get confronted I go back to the remember. And some of you need to go back to the remember. And you need to once again renew and repent by making the decision to say, hey, I'm recommitting to you, Lord. I have, I have man, I, uh, come to think of it, I am almost not living for you. I've allowed all kinds of things. Make a decision and then, then renew your commitment to Scripture. Remember, remember a time in which you were into the Word? I'm not talking about books, podcasts, or another message. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Word, not what other people are saying about the Word, what what, what the Lord is speaking to you. Many of us, and I'll say this like in a judgmental, like it happens to me too, but we've gotten away from our commitment to Scripture. We can't even remember the last time we really sat down on a consistent basis and allowed the Word to wash us. Renewing our commitment to our conversations with God. in other words, prayer. Just saying, "Hey, God, I need to, I need to get reconnected today." and then renewing our priorities. There's, I mean this is just an easy way to just say, "What does repentance mean? It means you' want to remember how far I've fallen, because I'm getting hit between the, the eyes today, not by John, but by the one who loves you way more than I do. And he's calling us to remember and repent. So today, whoever you are and whatever is going on in your life, this is a great word. This is an encouraging word. This is not a like, oh man, this is hard. This is, a, this is like the Lord loves you enough to say, loves us enough to say, hey, don't get distracted by what this world has to offer. Acknowledge that you need to be renewed and then remember, remember, Remember when you were on fire? Now repent of the, the stuff and, and, and do the things you were doing before. Some of you just need to do that today. And I'm going to invite you to do that. Would you bow your heads? Just close your eyes. Lord, power of your Holy Spirit work, working in hearts right now on every campus, well, those of us watching online. And if you're here today, nobody's looking around, but I You just need to to make a decision. It starts with that, repentance and remember. It starts with making a decision. And today, you need to make a decision to turn from where you're going to where you need to go. And I want to invite you to do that. If you just say, John, pray for me. Just raise your hand and say, John, pray for me. I've gotten distracted. Yes, 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 yes. I've gotten distracted from where I know I need to be, and I need to remember and repent. Yeah, anybody else across all of our campuses online? God, thank you for your word that is sharp, and and sharp in a good way. It, 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 It just cuts between what you want and what we want, soul and spirit. So, Lord, may your kingdom come as we make decisions today to get serious with you, as we make decisions today to not get distracted. Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done in our hearts, in our lives, right now, right here, as it is in heaven.